Today's Bible reading is from John chapter 4, verses 43 to 54. Jesus heals an official's son. After the two days he left for Galilee, now Jesus himself had pointed out that a prophet has no honor in his own country. When he arrived in Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him. They had seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the Passover festival, for they also had been there. Once more, he visited Cana in Galilee, where he had turned the water into wine. And there was a certain royal official whose son lay sick at Capernaum. When this man heard that Jesus had arrived in Galilee from Judea, he went to Jesus and begged him to come and heal his son, who was close to death. Unless you people see signs and wonders, Jesus told him, you will never believe. The royal official said, Sir, come down before my child dies. Go, replied Jesus, your son will live. The man took Jesus at his word and departed. While he was still on the way, his servants met him with the news that his boy was living. When he inquired as to the time when his son got better, they said to him, Yesterday, at one in the afternoon, the fever left him. Then the father realized that this was the exact time at which Jesus had said to him, Your son will live. So he and his whole household believed. This was the second sign Jesus performed after coming from Judea to Galilee. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, brothers and sisters, friends. Let's pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our Redeemer, our Rock and Redeemer. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Well, keep your Bible open uh, to this morning passage. Well, this morning's passage tells us that there was a royal official at Capernaum whose son was healed. When this man heard about Jesus, he had come from Judea to Galilee. He went to him and asked him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. Finally, we see how Jesus healed the child in a most spectacular ways. Now, the official, the word royal official in verses 46 and 49 is literally royal one. It means connected to a king in some way. This man was most likely a high court official in the court of Herod. In, it's an Edomite, not a Jew. It's an Edomite by descent. He was a powerful man, a prestigious man, a man with servants, wealth, and respect. He was probably powerful, but now his son was dying. And none of his wealth or power could change that. The royal official 
must have heard about Jesus and the miracle he did. He came with a great needs and his son was dying and he had traveled a long way. Uh, well, we heard the story told to the children, right? To see Jesus and ask him to heal his child. So he came. In verse 48, he said, But Jesus answered the man bluntly, Unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. It seems that Jesus was testing him. But are you shocked with the reply of Jesus? Don't you think that it's pretty harsh? This man's son was dying and he had walked 20 miles to see Jesus. And Jesus rebuked him. Did this make any sense at all? Why would Jesus say something like that to a grieving father? Jesus challenged the motivation of this man, asking for his help. Did you travel all this way because you want me or because you want what I can give? How did the official respond to Jesus' rebuffs? He didn't even comment on it. He simply repeats his request. In verse 49, Sir, come down before my child dies. Dear friends, if you are a present of a parents who has been through the trauma of having one of your children sick to the point of death, you would know the feeling of this father. All the money in the world is of little value. Your job, your bank account, your business, and your house. You would trade it all for your child's health. This man was desperate. He didn't just ask once, but he asked repeatedly. He was persistent and quite plain about what he wanted. You can hear the voice of a concerned father and send his desperation in his word. Jesus heard his cry, gave him a gift by saying to him, Go, your son will live. Note that Jesus was addressing a leading official in Judea as he was speaking to a subordinate. He spoke with authority as if he were a king. Now, perhaps there was something in the tone of Jesus' voice or maybe in his facial expression. But his father was somehow comforted by this simple statement. And we are told that in verse 50, the man believed Please take note of the word believed, the word that Jesus spoke to him and went on his way. What is remarkable about this is that the man has asked Jesus to come with him, but when Jesus simply spoke, go, your son will leave, the man obeyed 
without a question. He didn't argue with Jesus. He didn't try bargain with him. He simply believed and started to head back home. He did not insist on seeing the miracle. He did not complain that Jesus would not come with him. And so amazingly, he simply left. I'm inclined to think that in that moment of seeing Jesus speak so sovereignly, in spite of his accusations, something was awakened in the man. He saw something more than a miracle workers in Jesus. Verses 51 to 53 says, As he was going down, his slave met him and told him that his child was alive. So he asked them the hour when he began to recover. And they said to him, Yesterday at one in the afternoon, the fever left him. The father realized that this was the hour when Jesus had said to him, Your son will live. Wow, that's a powerful story. True faith takes Jesus at his words. Faith is simply believe that God will do what he say he will do. Trusting God means accepting that God has said. Look at it. What does the last sentence of John chapter 4, 53 tell us? He said, and he, the father, himself believed and all his household. He and his whole household believed because they saw the sign that Jesus did. What the miracle tells us about Jesus. Note that this is exactly what John wants us to see in his healing of the royal official's sons. A dying boy, healed with a word over distant at once. Such is the power of Jesus. Grace and power. Mercy and might. Firstly, note that Jesus healed this child in a very unbelieving atmosphere. The first thing he said to the official when he pleaded for his son was in verse 48, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. He was provoked at the sign-seeking false faith that abounds in Galilee. And in the con that context, he gave the free gifts of healing. He gave the gift to a man he had never met, who had attachments in some way, probably with the court of the wicked Herod Antipas. In other words, when Jesus decided to heal this boy, it was by his grace. He was not looking at anyone's merit. It was a free, gracious gift. 
Just as John chapter 1, verses 14 and 16 tell us, we have seen his glory full of grace and truth. And from his fullness, we have received grace upon grace. Next, John wants us to not only see the grace of the healing, but the power of it. The boy was dying of a fever. The power of Jesus to heal is seen in the fact that he did it with a mere word. He simply said, Go, your son will live. And at that one word, the physical chemistry of a boy's body changed. The power is seen in the distance was not hindrance. The boy was 20 miles away in Capernaum. He could have been 20,000 miles away. It would not have mattered. When Jesus speaks with authority, there are no spatial limitations to his power. Furthermore, the power of his healing is seen in the fact that it was immediate. John draws special attention to that. They say in verse 52 that he recovered at one o'clock in the afternoon the day before. Then John says in verse 53, the father realized that this was the hour when Jesus has said to him, your son will live. At the very moment Jesus spoke, it was done. What can we learn from the officials? Well, in verse 49, it says, the officials said to him, Sir, come down before my child dies. Now catch it this. He was expecting Jesus to come and lay hands on his son. He had a preconceived idea of how Jesus should do it. Jesus, this is what I need, and this is how I need you to do it. I need you to stop this, start that, go there, go here, or have them to go. And we have a powerful plan, all mapped out in our mind as to how God should work. That's this man. Jesus, if you are there, and my son, and my son will be here. Jesus isn't going to walk 20 miles to Capernaum right now. Jesus isn't going to work in this man's situation the way the man, this man has visualized. When Jesus said to him, go, your son will live. At that point, the man was faced with a huge challenge and decision. Jesus has said, has given the man his word. So now the question is for this man is, will you believe Jesus or not? Jesus said, I'll meet you, your needs. But Lord, I need a sign. But Lord, I need you to do in this way. 
But Lord, I have to see you working, then I will believe. The biggest challenge, the biggest issue we face is not whether or not God is able or if he is willing. The biggest issue we face is whether or not we will believe. A lot of folks miss out on God's miracles because they won't believe. They won't take God at his word. But if we are going to receive from God, we have to believe God's word. I love the persistence of the official. When Jesus rebuffed, he simply repeated his request. In verse 49, say, Sir, come down before my child dies. He asked once, and Jesus did not answer. He asked a second time. Jesus saw his perseverance and sincerity and granted him a gift. Jesus said to him, Go, your son will live. Jesus wants us to be persistent when we pray and not to lose heart. We may cross-reference the Luke chapter 8, 18, verse 1. I'm not going to do it now. You may note down. I can go home. You may check on. Uh, Luke chapter 18, verse 1, and the following verses. Now, let's take a look at the breaching verses. 43 to 46. It's quite strange. Why John have done that? In verse 43, starting from verse 43, when the two days were over, he went from that place to Galilee. For Jesus himself had testified that a prophet has no honor in the prophet's own country. When he came to Galilee, the Galilean welcomed him. Since they had seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the festival, for they too had gone to the festival. Then he came again to Canaan in Galilee, where he had changed the water into wine. Verse 45 says, the Galileans welcome him. Yes, but then it says, seeing they had seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the festival, for they too had gone to the festival. They welcome him because they had seen works of power in Jerusalem. Jesus is coming to these very people, knowing this is this, their attitude. And when John mentioned Jesus' coming to Cana in verse 46, he draws our attention to the fact that this is the place he had done his first sign in Galilee by turning the water into wine. The Galilean were sign seekers. They were wonder worshippers. They said they believed but their belief, like those folks in Jerusalem in John chapter 2, verse 23, was not real belief with honors Jesus. We can call it belief. But it's not the kind that unites them to Jesus as one who sees 
and treasures him as the Son of God, full of grace and truth. This is not new in John's Gospel. We have seen it before. Do you remember John chapter 2, verses 23 to 25? Here I quote. When he, Jesus, was in Jerusalem during the Passover festival, many believed in his name because they saw the sign that he was doing. But Jesus, on his part, would not entrust himself to them because he knew all people and needed no one to testify about anyone for he himself knew what was in and everyone. They believed, John says, but this was not a kind of faith that Jesus accepted. It was simply an excitement over his miracles, not what they pointed to. Namely, his beauty and glory as the Son of God, the Messiah, the Savior of the world. The things that Samaritans saw, even though the emphasis there didn't fall, uh, didn't fall on miracles, but on his word. This is why John commented in verse 44, For Jesus himself had testified that a prophet has no honor in the prophet's own countries. Let's take a closer look at verse 48. When Jesus said to the royal official, he said, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. As the matter of fact, in the original language Greek, you, in verse 48, is plural. Jesus wasn't saying to the dead, you will not believe unless you see signs and wonders. He was saying, you all will not believe unless you see signs and wonders. Jesus was talking to everyone who was there. Jesus said, what Jesus said was, the Galilean, they, the Galilean weren't really believing in him. All they seemed to one are signs and wonders, but not commitment. They wanted what Jesus could give, but they didn't want Jesus himself. So everybody there, including the dead, was there for what they could get from Jesus. He's come, he's become a sort of what we call spiritual ATM. He had confused the thing about Jesus with Jesus. And people do it today as well. So in verse 48, Jesus does not only rebuke this man, but also the rest of the crowd by saying, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. In verse 48, this verse is the most explicit indictment of all along with verse 44, that a prophet has no honor in his own home area. Now, what are the implications and applications? What is the main point of this text? What is John doing? In verse, 40, uh, verse 54, 
This was now the second sign that Jesus did when he had come from Judea to Galilee. This what we are told was the second significant sign in John's gospel. Conducted when Jesus came back from Jerusalem to Cana in Galilee. These are not miracles for miracles sake, but indication of who Jesus is, calling us ever for our response to his claim upon our lives. As John chapter 20, verse 30 to 31 say, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing, you may have life in his name. The main thing he is doing is showing us the greatness of Christ by his astonishing miracle. But as a part of that, John wants to help us to see the glory of Christ and know who he is. The purpose of miracles or signs are to draw attention to who Jesus is and believe in him. With the first sign Jesus did, water into wine, we are told his disciples believe in him. That is John chapter 2, verse 11. And after this miracle where the boy is healed, we are told the father himself believe, and all his household. That is John chapter 4, verse 53. Now you see, if the miracles of Jesus didn't cause people to believe in him and desire to follow him, then those miracles were essentially worthless. If those signs didn't cause folks to change their lives and believe in Jesus then they were without value. Bringing people to faith and commitment were what the signs Jesus did were all about. And the same thing is true in church. If the song we sing don't cause people to see Jesus and want to follow him, then they are worthless. If the prayers we pray don't cause people to see Jesus and want to follow him, then they lack value. If the sermon I preach doesn't cause people to see Jesus and want to follow him, then it's just empty words. Everything we do here should always focus on Jesus. Everything we sing or say or hear should point to Christ. Have you ever wondered why the author, John, placed a royal official story adjacent to the Samaritan story? First, the Samaritans, verse 43, tells us that Jesus had spent two days in Samaria before he went to Galilee. The time in Samaria was spectacularly successful. It appears that the whole town of Sychar 
was turned to Jesus as the Messiah and the Savior of the world. The focus there is not on his miracle working power, but on his word. Verses 41 and 42 say, Many more believe because of his word. Please take note of his word. His word. They said to the woman, It is no longer because of what you said that we believe, but we, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. This is a better response than anything Jesus has gotten among Judeans. Now, look at the, the official. The official started as a sign seeker, but ended up as a savior seeker. Just as the Samaritan woman brought the folks in the town of Sychar to believe in Jesus, the official thought brought his whole household to believe in Jesus. Dear friends, there is nothing wrong to seek God for help when we are in difficult situations, such as health problems, family problems, or financial difficulties. Meeting your needs is important, but if God meets our needs, but we never really come to know Him as Lord, as Savior, as friend, then we have missed the point. Go to God with your problems, but go to God for more than your problem. May God know, may you know Jesus as the Son of God, the true light, the giver of life, the Messiah, the Lamb of God, the Savior of the world. May you have a desire to know Him more than His gifts. Only the knowledge of the Son of God, Jesus Christ, not miracles, is able to keep us from falling. Amen.